Hey, yo, Internet, today's episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed for coarse, curly hair and sensitive skin. Internet, I fucked up. I didn't have a Bevel about three months ago, and I was going to the Dominicans, and my shit got fucked up. I called Tristan himself and said, yo, I feel like I'm poorly representing this brand, but niggas, I'm back. I'm back, and you could be back too. Listen, Internet, start shaving smarter today, and say goodbye to those crunch bar razor bumps today with Bevel. Go to getbevel.com slash jack to order your Bevel today. That's getbevel.com slash jack. And now back to the show. Hey, yo, Internet, this is Combat Jack, and I need your help. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. So I'm not asking you to come out of your pocket, motherfuckers. In order to find some great advertisers, we'll need to learn a little bit more about you. So please, do me a favor, do the Combat Jack show a favor, and go to podsurvey.com slash jack, and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. That way we can show advertisers just how great our fucking listeners are, because you motherfuckers are great. Even if you've taken a podcast survey before, y'all didn't take one for this one in a very long time. So this one is specific to the Combat Jack show. I really need you, really, we really need you to take this too. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash jack. Podsurvey.com slash jack. Internet, thank you for helping your boy out. And back to the show. Internet, so you're tuned into the Combat Jack Show podcast, combatjackshow.com. King, how are you enjoying this lovely Black Histories months, man. Listen, I, I I embrace my culture. Yeah, three hundred sixty-five days of the year. Exactly in the Gregorian calendar. Yes, you know what I'm saying. So this month is 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 a misnomer. You know what I'm saying. Culture all the time, but love it. Yes, you know it's funny, man. I heard there was a rumor a couple of weeks ago, man, that uh that your your president <laughs> wanted to change uh Black History Month into African American History Month. Oh, and see. I thought that was preposterous, man, because, you know, black history is global. You know what I'm saying? Well, I and, think, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And, 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 and you know what I'm saying? Not every African, not African is American. You know what I mean? Well, listen, I mean, e- e- even even further down the rabbit hole, I mean, should we even be calling ourselves black? African I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, that's a, that's a whole. Those are labels that were given, right? That's a whole, that's a whole other. 13th Amendment? The 13th, the 13th Amendment, it's listen. a whole other conversation man listen Culture. listen internets man i'm i'm really appreciating um the month of february yes mainly because i've been able to see some amazing amazing movies um been able to screen them um and it, you know they've been out and they're coming out this month and i and i definitely you know implore you to support black film support black directors support black talent i'm really excited about today's guest um he's a director um He's done some documentaries you might have heard of, um, but he has a current uh, documentary that's out right now, and it's called I Am Not Your Negro. And, um, you know, it, 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 it features um, works of the late, great James Baldwin. And what, what, what blew me away was um, watching scenes, you know, uh, uh, archival f- uh, scenes of Malcolm X, of Martin Luther King, of Medgar Evers, and then seeing how you know, all of their different styles 
you know, contrasted, even though they had the same goal. And then seeing James Baldwin mm. speak so eloquently, you know, so stylishly. You so so I mean, I just his intellect was on such a high level. So, you know, I welcome to the show, Mr. Raul Peck. Yes. You know, congratulations Thank you. on your Oscar you. nomination. Well, you have yeah. an Oscar nomination for Best Picture, well, huh? I, I say Baldwin has an Oscar <laughs> nomination. You know? <laughs> Give the men credits. Yo, know? Yo, first and foremost, ça passe mon cher. Nula, nula, nula. Yeah, I've been very fortunate recently to, 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 to have a lot of Haitians, you know, on the show, on, on my serious show. I just recently spoke to Wyclef, so it's always good to see, you know, my brethren and sistren doing amazing things. Oh, thank you. You know, um, I'm Not Your Negro currently holds a 95% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 97% rating on Metacritic. Like, 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 like why are people enjoying this movie so much? Well, because it's a particular movie. Closer to the mic. Yeah, there you go. Because it's a very exceptional, unprecedented movie. You know, it's a movie I could make because the Baldwin estate gave me total access to everything. Published manuscript, unpublished manuscript, private letters, photos, etc. And they let me make my film without interference, without, you know, pushing me, bullying me, and on the contrary, protecting me. Uh, you know, it took 10 years to make this film. So there, there is no shortcut. It, it's, uh, there is no mystery about it. And this film is basically the book that James Baldwin wanted to write about America, uh, a book about three of his friends, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, all three assassinated before they were 40. And this phenomenal book, he never got to write it. So when I got that those notes, because he wrote notes about it, about a book, the book was supposed to be called Remember This Remember House. Remember This House, yes. And and for me, when, as a filmmaker, to have those notes, it's a wow. My job was to solve this mystery book. And I just decided, well, he wrote that book and it's all over his body of work. And my job was to go around and find those words and put it together the way he would have put it together himself. This is a project that took you 10 years. Yep. 10 years ago, we were in a different space than we are today. What inspired you specifically to, to focus on, on Baldwin 10 years ago? Well, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to travel a lot. And, and this is something I felt, you know, Americans are discovering Donald Trump. But there have been several other Donald Trump type of, of auto, authoritarian leaders uh, in the rest of the world. Yes. So I, I saw that coming somehow because it's the same sort of situation that they had in Italy uh, a few years ago with Berlusconi or in France with Sarkozy. You know, the type of bully, uh, you know, leader. Nationalist. Nationalist, populist, uh, propagandist. Uh, dog who, whistler, you know, dog, and and also uh, with a, a great dose of ignorance, you know that's that's the the part of of the thing that it's really hard to swallow. You know, we had conservative president before, but at least those guys went to college, study, was had some sort of intellect, and they respected uh, 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 science. They respected you know research. They respected the constitution. They, they respected the constitution. They knew what facts was and what was not facts. Now we are in we are in a field where anything goes. 
You know, it's about who speak the loudest, who is more convincing, whether it's true or untrue. You know, we are in a world where opinions matter. Since when it is about your opinion, do your homework before you open your mouth. But today you don't even need to do that. Right. So um, when I decided to make this film, it's I felt that we were already in that world. And we were already in a sort of, and, and I like what you said about, you know, it's not just Black History Month, you know. We became consumer of our own history. It became just a ritual without thinking about what is inside that ritual. What does it mean? And uh, so I had to go back to Baldwin. Because Baldwin changed my life. How Baldwin, so? uh, I read Baldwin when I, I was very young. You know, I read uh, The Fire Next Time. I, I recommend that book. You know, that book so, should be obligatory for any black young men and women. And even I would say any American young person yes. because it opens your mind whether you are black or white or Latino or, or homosexual or not. It, it is an important book to read and to understand what this nation is and where it, it comes from. I think it, it's so important that, that, that you corrected yourself and said that, that this is a book that everyone needs to read because I think that's the problem. I think, you know, you have a small uh, group of people that 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 are thirsty for understanding the true na- nature and personality and psychological makeup of this country but then there's so much more pe- there's so much more people that are content being ignorant and and buying into the simplicity and the uh quote unquote innocence of this nation and until most of us are on the same page i don't think we could solve a damn thing that's exactly what baldwin says you know it's it's you know you need to face your reality otherwise you, you you're going to be dead in the picture as everybody else whether you are rich or poor but it's just one country you know there is no other country you know it's this one and th- we don't have two sets of history it's the same history yes and each one of us have to acknowledge the other part and and, and there's a quote um, that Baldwin's uh, uh, stated in, in the movie that really jumped out. The Negro history is the American history. Exactly. You know, without the Negro history, you know, and I, I hate using that term because that's, a, you know, such an old term, but without the Negro history, without black history, you don't have American history. Oh, exactly. And, and, and we are part of this country. He goes even further. He said, I am flesh of your flesh. Meaning that there are so many mixtures as well, you know, both biological as uh, historical and political, you know, uh, the price that uh, black people pay for the well-being of this country is is uh, un- uncommensurable, you know, and uh, and we need to acknowledge that. And another aspect of Baldwin uh, 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 thoughts about this is that why do we have as black people to have the burden the responsibility the responsibility to be the one dealing with that history right you know because he said we did not create slavery we did not create uh, 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 jim crow we did not create all those segregation and segregation and how come we are the only one fighting to change that it doesn't make sense and each one of us, black and white, need to be facing our reality and do our part. And 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 it it, it behooves white people to really assume the responsibility of this because this is this is a creation out of their own psychosis. This is not our, our psychosis; it's their psychosis. 
Hey, yo, Internet, today's episode of the Combat Jack Show is also brought to you by the upcoming HBO comedy special, Gerard Carmichael 8. Gerard Carmichael is returning to HBO for his second stand-up comedy special entitled Gerard Carmichael 8, premiering March 11th at 10 p.m. on HBO. Filmed before a live audience in New York City, the show features Gerard's thought-provoking take on cultural norms. Carmichael addresses a wide range of subjects, including climate change, that your president doesn't believe in, supporting the troops, and larger themes like race, politics, love, family, and so much more. Gerard Carmichael 8 is an A24 production directed by Bo Burnham, executive produced by Gerard Carmichael, John Hodges, Ravi Nandan, Bo Burnham, and Christopher Stoner. Gerard Carmichael 8 premieres on Saturday, March 11th at 10 p.m. on HBO. The special will also be available on HBO Now, HBO Go, and HBO On Demand. HBO, y'all. And now back to the show. Let me ask you a question, man. Uh, being uh, born in Haiti, um, I understand that, that, that your family was, was, was forced to, flee, flee, to, um, to leave Haiti yes. because of um, the um, dictatorship. Yeah. dictatorship situation that existed in Haiti. Um, did that also resonate with you in terms of making this documentary? Well, I, I think my whole life uh, uh, helped, you know, when I say the documentary took 10 years to make, but I think all the 30 years before <laughs> are part of that story. And uh, Baldwin did something for me. He gave uh, names to certain things I was feeling. You know, I, I left Haiti when I was eight. eight. But in my head, I had all those Hollywood movies mm. I, I used to watch. And my image of Africa was what I saw in Tarzan. Yes. You know, all those savages dancing in the forest, you know, not capable of, of pronouncing one single word, yelling, basically. And I arrived in Kinshasa, Leopoldville at the time, and going down that airplane on the tarmac, I was somehow persuaded that I would see a lot of savages dancing around the airplane. In that, grass skirts and, and exactly, bones through their noses. You know, and and some white guy would come and tell me, you you know, don't, you know, don't watch the native. Come right. with me right, uh, right, to right. your to your hotel. So it it was uh, that was a shock for me. Right. You know, I just it's like a, a child discovering that the stories that he have been told uh, all his life up to now is false. It's totally false. And I, I became suspect from that moment on. And when I read Baldwin when I was around 17, uh, The Fire Next Time, suddenly I was starting to understanding all the context, all the, the construction of Hollywood, all the construction, uh, ideological construction that you were being fed, you know, of your own history or your own false history. And and that helped me structure my my thoughts, structure myself, and and I, I never since then have watched anything uh, with an innocent eye. Right. Now, isn't it amazing um, that you come from a black nation, come from a black country, and you come here and you believe in the ideology, and then you start realizing that something is not right, that we are in this matrix. What does that do to you? That realization that 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 we that you've been brainwashed that we've all been brainwashed well that, that's that's the uh, you know personally I, I get strength through it right. because uh, I had to learn very early on to discipline myself 
to learn how to read and and read as much as possible to learn my history and not only my own history but i learned to to the you know france history yes. the united states yes. history german history mm. because i studied in berlin right. germany and and this gave me an incredible force because i am able to have all the different perspective and then there is another aspect you know coming from haiti when i see how the united states of america have been not only supporting but bringing into place a whole line of dictatorship in my country yes. in the name of democracy in the name of democracy so i learned to question what democracy is yes and why and how it is used because you cannot on one side say you know we are the democratic country but you are sending arms money uh, intelligence to countries that are real dictatorship you did that in latin america you did that in vietnam you did that in haiti you did that in congo you know uh, i i grew up in congo as well and they killed patrice lumumba yes. and after lumumba there have never been a legitimate election imagine that congo have been independent since 1961 and since then nothing have been correct in that country and they got mobutu for more than 35 years meaning the one of the greatest dictatorship of the continent one of the richest men of the continent and who was behind it every single one of american administration yeah so when you have those two reality you know you need to ask yourself questions you know what is the repercussion about what's going on here in this country you know what are the contradiction you know so the same person who's looking you in the face and telling you i'm a democrat and i'm fighting for justice and then at the same time you know what he's doing elsewhere so you you have to question the very structure of the country you know it's funny um i've i've been bringing this up a lot recently um you know being haitian american um my uncle one of my uncles voted for um Donald Trump and his reason was very complex because you know morally he felt he couldn't uh vote for Hillary Clinton because of the Clinton's legacy in Haiti you know and 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 I so, understand that. and and, and can, can we talk about like you know talk about the yeah. difficulty of the the Haitian Americans that know all too well America's legacy or Clinton's legacy in Haiti and why it affected where we are today well that's because of the confusion we have we are in a world of total confusion so we don't know what's up and what's down and we have been living in a world where we need recipes we need you know in any show they always ask you tell me in a nutshell this and that you know, there is nothing in the nutshell there's nothing in a nutshell you know there is no yes or no answer it's always complex so yes there is a contradiction for me when a white worker who uh lost his job because factories went elsewhere uh, or because uh, uh wall street manipulated uh, uh you know the result uh, of whatever he's he's uh, fabricating and then he loses his job and you're going to vote for that same man who is part of that system you know you have a government of billionaires now so it means that there is a confusion but uh and this is our job now to clear out the field 
to put it upside down so that we really can understand what's going on. So um, it's, it's, you know, we are all part of that confusion somehow, you know. We are bombarded every day with information that are not legitimate information, that are mostly opinions as well. We forget to look at numbers, you know. There are simple numbers uh, here that you need to watch. What is the wealth repartition of this country? Who owns what? What is their role in society? You know, there are numbers that uh, Oxfam, the, the NGO, the international NGO, published a few weeks ago, saying you have basically eight individuals, not eight family, eight individuals, individuals. own more than 41% of the wealth, of, of the 41% poor part of the population. Right. Eight against 41%. Eight individuals, 41% of the population. This this is doesn't make sense. Not in 2017. And you know what? A few years ago, it was 65 uh, uh, individual. So it became worse. Yes. So this is the reality on which we are we are sitting now. You know, once you you start seeing the numbers, how those numbers are are uh, you know distributed in 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 this country? You know, who is making money? Who is not? And since how many generations? You know, there is something called class, social class. Yes. They reproduce themselves. If you are born poor, there is 99.9% that you will stay poor. Right. Because it's not equality. Because you start already with a lot of disadvantage. Yes. You know, you don't go to the best school. You don't live in the best apartment. You don't eat, eat the best food. You don't eat the best food. You know, every you you don't live in neighborhoods where you can have some sort of tranquility, so that or when you go home or and activities or, right. and simulation, learn music, learn all sort of music, all sort of dances, not just rap or just just uh, you know uh, the, any local dance, but also classic. Yes. It's part of your general culture, uh, so you can make a choice. You know, in order to choose what you want to do, you have you to know your to, options exactly. So and you have to have options. You have to have. You have options, to have options. You know, so that's the kind of analysis that we need, so that we understand. You know, who can be our potential leaders, or for who do we vote? What agenda do they do they have? Well, you know, like most Congress have social security. Yes, you know, they have insurance. One of the best insurance system. So how come it's difficult for all the other citizens to have access to the same kind of, of advantages? You know, by the way, in France and Britain, everywhere else in the Western world, you have social security. You, you have education. Go to a, you have education. You can go to a doctor. You can, if you have cancer, you 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 have the proper you get the means best treatment. To, to the best treatment. You don't need to be a millionaire to have the best treatment. So how come in the richest country in the world you can't have that? Go back to the numbers. Look how it is constructed, and and you you know you will have more knowledge and you will know uh, you know better how to fight. Hey, yo, internets, once again, thanks again to HelloFresh. HelloFresh for supporting this week's episode of the Combat Jack Show. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. 
HelloFresh currently offers customers a classic box, a veggie box, or a family box. Customers can order three, four, or five different meals per week designed for either two or four people. New recipes are created every week. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantities needed so that there's no food waste. And it's all delivered right to your doorstep in a special insulated box for free. And for all you calorie counters, HelloFresh employs two full-time registered dietitians on staff who review each recipe to ensure that it's nutritionally balanced. I got HelloFresh a couple of months ago. It came in this box. It was all these fresh ingredients. And what made it even more fresher was it was packed in ice. So internet, my food was fresh. Hence, HelloFresh. For $35 off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter your promo code JACK35 when you subscribe. That's HelloFresh.com. And when you subscribe, enter the promo code JACK35, JACK35, to get $35 off your first week of deliveries. Delicious ingredients you'll love to eat and simple recipes you'll love to cook, all from HelloFresh. And now back to the Combat Jack Show. Now, I want to jump more into your movie, but, but one more question about this. You think at this juncture that um, there's possibility for change. You know, studying studying history and studying other governments and, 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 and being personally um, part of other countries. Well, you know, I, I will tell you, like, like Baldwin, you know, we don't have a choice. You know, it's either we go down with everybody, and I'm, I'm meaning the, the rich as well, right. because you can't, you know, it's the same country. You can't, you know, live the same forever. Plane. We are in the same airplane or in the same uh, Titanic. Right. You know, so uh, we don't have a choice. Uh, you know, we can't bury our head in the sand. We we have to react. We can't continue to go on and be consumers, you know, and, and consumers of entertainment, consumers of this and, and content passive. and passive. You know, we need to own our history. Like Baldwin said, you know, you need to own your history and to face it in order to change it. If you don't face it, you can't change it. And so uh, people ask me, you know, are you hopeful or are you optimistic? You, you know, I can't afford to think into those terms. You know, I just need, know that I need to do something because I don't want to go down, you know, without a fight. So it's our responsibility uh, to make sure that there is change. And it means that we need to work on that. Change is not, you know, bachelorette or the bachelor that you just vote. You know, it's not it's, the apprentice. It, it's not the apprentice, you know. It means sit down, read a few books, learn, train yourself, talk with, with your family, talk with your neighbors, uh, talk with people that have different uh, uh, opinion than you. Dialogue. Uh, yeah. Dialogue. Uh, build alliance. You know that's something we forgot. The civil rights movement did not just was not born out of anger. You know, uh, people like Rosa Parks and all the others. They got organized, and there were many organized, not just black organization. Uh, there were Jewish organization. There were religious organization. There were socialist organization, there were women, etc., etc. That was one big coalition, institutional coalition, like with, with the unions, etc. Right. So what happened during all those years, you know, a lot of those organizations were attacked. You know, Reagan started to, to break down the unions. 
and to attack any progressive organization. So we end up today uh, with young people like the Black Lives Matter movement who basically have to recreate their own history. And most of us, you know, we are sitting back in front of our TV and uh, maybe spending some money, and but we are not there with them. Uh, we are not, uh, you know, in churches and organizing to see what can we bring to their movement and make sure that we are also part of it. You know, it's not a game. We all have our responsibility, whoever we are, wherever we are in this country. And we cannot let this young generation do the job for us. It's not, it's not fair for them to carry it's the weight. It's not fair. Right. You know, one of the things that blew me away about I Am Not Your Negro is I watched the entire thing. And it wasn't until the credits uh, read that I realized that, that the narrator was Sam Jackson. Yeah. And I was just so blown away because I'm such a huge Sam Jackson fan. And it didn't sound like him. Yeah. And, 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 and as much as you deserve... You know, the, the Academy for the Picture. I think that was probably one of his finest roles as, you know, acting as James Baldwin, man. Yes, while well, some critic wrote about it, and indeed, that it, it was... It's so anti... Film. It's so not typical yeah. Sam Jackson. But but uh, it is Sam Jackson, and he did an incredible job, and that's why I wanted him. I knew he was an incredible stage actor as well. And uh, and contrary to what you said, I didn't want a narrator. I didn't want somebody who would put some any distance between the words and the voice. Yes, it needed to be Baldwin. It needed to be Baldwin, and that means you need to have all the emotion, all the irony, all the humor, all the pain that Baldwin had in his voice. So uh, Sam was inspired by the text, so he had to work with it. And make sure that those words came from his guts and never with a distance as he, you know, he had more authority over the world. So it needs a great actor to be humble enough to submit to those words right. and to be at the service of those words. And this is why this performance is incredible because it is a performance. It is an acting it's an amazing uh, role. Yes. It's ama he plays that role yeah. perfectly. And he creates a character. Yes. You know, and once you have a character, you know, you are beyond a documentary. It it's really an it's a film. You are in cinema and you are following a character, a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right. How how did you how were you able to lock down Mr. Jackson? Well, listen, I, I was uh, very lucky and, well, uh, let's be honest. It's uh, a lot of the things. First of all, I got the access to the to the estate. Yes. You know, because you can't just take a name and make a film of about course, it. You of need course. the rights. Right. And the estate gave me access to everything. How, you know? how did, how, can you tell us, can you walk us through that, that process? Well, uh, once I knew that uh, it, it was going to be my next project, uh, it was my decision, and I knew I, I needed the rights. So I wrote to the estate. Uh, uh, that's what you do right. professionally. But, but weren't you advised that you might not be able to get the rights? Yeah, of course. Every My lawyer in L.A. said, you know, Raul, don't even try. You don't know? even try. Uh, Spike had a lot of problems right. with them, you know, uh, when he wanted to use one of Baldwin's uh, screenplay because Baldwin wrote the screenplay to the 
autobiography of Malcolm, Malcolm X. X. Yes. So the, the this screenplay, by the way, have been published. I'm, I'm, I, I keep cutting you off, but I'm amazed watching this documentary that that potential screenplay that was written by Baldwin, there was a Billy D. Williams. Yes, yeah. would have played Malcolm X. That's what he wanted. I can't. I can't imagine. Yeah, it, it would have been an incredible film. Yeah, but, uh, but of course, knowing Baldwin, you know, yeah. he he went into a fight with the studio. Yes, of, of course, course, because he had very strict idea of what he wanted. Right. So, uh, so you reach you reach so out to the I estate. reach uh, out to them, and and I got a, a, a first response within three days. Really. And they said, you know, come see us, you know, whenever you can. And I and I just went next uh, the next week. What was it to, about to you? DC what was it about your presentation that well that that, that it's like I I'm not going to say that it was easy. Yeah. But that they openly and yeah, willingly well, gave that, you that's, access. That's the incredible story because when I went there, uh, it's a it's a it was a private house, and and the person who opened the door for me was James Baldwin's younger sister, mm. Gloria Carifa Smart. And and Gloria uh, and I learned uh, uh, very quickly that she have seen my films mm. and she have seen Lumumba. Lumumba. And Lumumba was an important figure for her. She she's from that generation. She traveled with James Baldwin when she was twenty one to Africa in his first visit to Africa, and she met those African leaders, some of them, and. She learned an, about another continent, and so my film talked to her, and she knew, uh, you know, where I came from somehow. So your reputation and, preceded and you. Yes, well, that's the saying, you know. Yeah. I, I, you know, I never did, you know, big. Com I, I did important movies, but I never had some, you know, Harry Potter's type of success. So, uh, but you know, all the sacrifice o over the year for me paid off. You know, uh, and I always made film I wanted to make and the way I wanted to make them. You know, and and this is what op did open the doors for me. That's amazing. And and she and there was trust. That's the other thing. There was trust very early on between us, and then we learned to know each other better and better. And and she protected me. She let me take the time I needed. You know, ten years is a long time. Yeah. That means nobody. Did you else. get on her nerves up some? <laughs> no, on the contrary, I think she she knew what I was going through. Right. You know, she knew, and by the way, she went through that. She know the life of an artist. You know, she she was the person uh, very often the closest to her brother. You know, she she served as a sort of uh, secretary for mm. him throughout his life, right. take care of his needs, take care of many things. So. She knew the needs or the difficulties of finding the right way to write a book or the fa the right way to make a movie, and she knew the the complex and the difficulty I had because having that sort of access, I knew I better come with a great movie. Right. I couldn't just do you know the first idea that I had and and go with it. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so it took me four years to actually find the right entry point to this film, the right ideas that would make it an exceptional film, you know, so, and she was patient. She would feed me with documents and call me or I would visit her. It was really a, a very family uh, type of trust and, and, a, and a, a exchange be, between us. <coughs> 
So uh, there is no miracle right. because this film is a film of many layers and those layers you can only get to them when you take your time. You 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 take your time to make errors as well and mm. correct your errors, right. you know. Uh, you know any musician comp companies or, or writer knows about that. You know your first draft or your second draft or even your 20th draft. You know there's still thing that There's always work. There's always room for improvement. And, and then I was in the fortunate position to go all the way through that film with nobody interfering, nobody telling me, you know, that part you should change or this I don't understand. Or oh, they're not going to like this. Or exactly. you're going to offend. Exactly. Right. So I, and I needed that because there were stuff I attempt in this film. Um, I stick with it because ultimately I I didn't have to resist to any other person right. telling any me. Any other influences. Yeah. Because I, I know I had some very violent cuts in that movie. And I'm glad that I stick to that all, all up to the end. And and that's the kind of freedom that I needed to to finish that film, and so I I was blessed, and it's something expe uh, exceptional, unprecedented. You never in this industry there is no way you you're gonna have rights or an option about anything for such a long time, and have that kind of access about everything, in the life of the work of an author, that this is the result. Uh, that's why you have that kind of film. Going back to uh, my other question, how did you um, land Sam Jackson? Oh, yes. Um, so um, when I felt that I could show this film to other people, you know, because it's a montage film, so that means that film come to life when it's really finished because all the different layers, the words, uh, the music, the editing, the sounds, everything uh, come to, you know, once you finish your sound mix, that's when the film is there. So I had to wait until, you know, I felt that somebody else could understand what the film is. And and through my lawyer, Nina Shaw in LA. Nina. Uh, Nina Shaw, yeah, one, you probably know her name. She's a great, great lady in, in one of our best lawyers in this country. And uh, so she, you know, she got the contact and I, I wrote a letter again and I sent them the draft. And um, his people and and himself, they they came back to me very rapidly. And well, say, you're amazingly fortunate. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, and I, mean, I don't want to, like you know, fortune comes from your work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to bring something on the table. Yes. Uh, in order to convince people, and and listen, it, I I'm not even giving me the credit. I'm giving Baldwin the credit. Baldwin is irres irresistible. Yes. You know, when you are confronted with these words, with this man, with this life, you know, there is nothing you're not ready to do. Uh, so, uh, and I think uh, Sam Jackson got that immediately. It's, by the way, it's some of the words he's saying in the film. He went through that himself. You know, he, he's the man of the, from the South as well. And he had to leave the South to come to the North. So he knows what it means to be in exile somehow, to be far from home. Uh, and to be confronted to racism, to be confronted with a lot of stuff that we still, you know, uh, battling with. So uh, once he accepted, uh, you know, our conversation was, uh, did not take time to, you know, he got it right away. He knew what I needed. 
Uh, he's a great stage actor. He knows that what you need to do in order to to be the words, you know, and to be totally uh, uh, intimate with the words. And, uh, you know, so he was going to shoot in Bulgaria. So that, you know, the time I had also for that. And so we, I went there and, and we rented a, a big studio and, and we worked for a whole day uh, because he was well prepared. And and also, it's like a, a, Wait a, minute. a jazz piece of The music. entire dialogue took a day? The the recording, yes. One yes. day. Yes. The, that entire yes. the entire movie. Yeah. Well, after of, that, of, we worked okay. on it, of right, course. Right, right, right. But wow, it, it's not the first drive. Yeah. The 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 recording itself, uh, we did it in one day. But because it's it's like music, you know, it's like when you have the the note, you have the tone, you go through with it. You know, uh, the thing is, uh, once he he would say a sentence that he felt was not in the same tone. He would redo it automatically because it was like a music. You knew that it was not the same note. So, and and once you got that feeling that everything has to come from your guts, you know you have it. And anything that comes out of you is real, and is is tense. Is uh, there are emotions in it. So that's why we were able to work that. And uh, the only advice, <coughs> the only advice I gave him, you know. You're telling that story to your best friend sitting near you. It's very intimate. It's a conversation that you have with with a few people. You're not projecting your voice. Just be calm and humble. And that's exactly it. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. That's why he created a character, basically. Um, It's amazing that we're bearing witness to to Baldwin's views. But it's also interesting that in the movie... um, Baldwin positions himself as being a witness. Can we talk about that? Yes. Well, that that's why he was torn between those pos- two positions to be an actor and to be a witness. Mm-hmm. And and you know how it is, you know, to be a writer if your writing is about what's happening at the moment. So you are more a journalist than you are an artist or right. a writer. So he wanted to always make sure that his writing is the writing of a writer and that that writing will survive, you know, that he's not making news. He's making, writing something with a, a beautiful language, with a, with a music, with a written, uh, a, a, a kind of writing that is so close to philosophy, to, you know, artistry, uh, to its most profound uh, way, in its most profound way. So uh, at the same time, he had to be present. He has to talk to the people, feel them, go to the South, be a, a witness and also by his presence to be an actor as right. well. And he knew those people, each one of us. He knew the whole leadership and and their assassination hit him very hard in a very physical way. You know, you see him on the screen sometimes, you know, taking his head in his hand. Uh, and moving know, uncontrollably. Oh yes, with emotion. Oh yeah. oh yeah, he he took this very personally, and and I think that's one of the explanation why he actually never wrote that book because it was so painful revisiting. You know, in the words he said in the film, because I ha- I would have to go on a journey again, uh, visit uh, you know Medgar's wife, his children, his children who are 
children no longer, etc., right. etc. Et Visit, uh, you know, uh, Ma Martin's wife and children, uh, and children, etc. So he, he knew he it was going to be a very painful, painful. journey. Right. You know, so he pushed it back. He pushed it back until, unfortunately, he died. You know what's amazing, also, about um, what you capture in this documentary, and I was blown away by it. By it. You know, usually when we talk about race or, or when our leaders or our, our great intellectuals talk about the issue of race, it's usually, a, you know, it's usually in the in in form of you guys need to help us fix this or you guys need to fix this. But what blew me away, just so subtle in the movie, is how Baldwin never spoke about you and us. It's we. Like he always spoke about this is our problem. It wasn't the white man. It wasn't, you know, the white. It's like we. Like he always, like he took great pride and being an American, and yeah. I think you captured that. Oh yeah, he he doesn't antagonize people. He just tell to each one of us, "This is your duty. This is you are responsible of part of it, whether you are black or white." And each one of us need to do his job. And he's because he's profoundly uh, a humanist, so it, elevated. It, it yes, and it's a man who loved the human being as as it is. There is a. A, a wonderful sentence quote uh, that I like of him uh, that goes like this is that every human being is an incredible miracle and I learned to love the miracle they are and at the same time to protect myself to the from the monster they have become in that sentence you have everything you know the love and the prudence the 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 analysis and the the, the, the needs of change yourself and not being a monster you know and he's telling that to everybody whoever you are he his core audience is the human being you know and and this is profound this is uh, he's it's so, not only it's so the deep. best it, it, it blew writer, me away he's a great philosopher yeah. he's a great preacher uh, you know he was a preacher uh, when he was 50 14 you know, imagine a young boy preaching to adults, talking about their souls, their faith, and and having that type of responsibility. You know, it it changed you. It changed your whole life. So he had that love all his life, and with all the contradiction of love, and that's what makes him exceptional. You know, there was never a distance between who he was and his thinking, and his action. Hey, yo, internets, you know what this is. This week's episode of the Combat Jack Show is also brought to you by Bevel, dermatologist approved and proven to reduce and prevent monkey bumps, discoloration, and anal warts on your neck, back, head, and whatever chest areas you decide to shave. Up to 80% of black men and women struggle with razor bumps, and up to 30% of all men and women encounter razor bumps as well. Listen, ladies. Get rid of them razor bumps. We don't like it. The bevel razor uses a single blade which cuts hair above the skin, not beneath. So you can avoid painful ingrown hairs. There's a reason 9 out of 10 customers come back to bevel month after month. Created and crafted by Tristan Walker, my good brother, who saw a void in the health and beauty market. His goal is to make health and beauty simple for people of color. So, Internet, y'all see it's a movement. Y'all hear it's the movement. Y'all know it's a movement. Join the movement and start shaving smarter today with Bevel. Go to getbevel.com slash jack to learn more and order your bevel today. That's getbevel.com slash jack to get your bevel shaving kit. Internet, start shaving smarter today with Bevel. And now back to the show. Speaking of monsters, you know, it's so great how 
Baldwin speaks of, you know, how white America really goes out of their way to portray us as the monster when in fact they are the monster in their actions. Well, Baldwin uh, speak of moral monsters. And, uh, and, and that's why somehow for me what he says in the film and, uh, and how the audience is taking it uh, so far, uh, uh, I see the reaction in, in the discussions, is he, he speak about something that is very important, he say, and, and that, you know, we cannot be innocent anymore. And this is what I believe that the film will do to each person that watched the film, is that nobody, whether you're a woman, you're a gay person, a white or black or a Latino, you cannot be innocent anymore. It's all, it's out there. The film confronts you to who you are, and it forces you to quest to question yourself. Where am I in this construction? Where am I in my role in what this is my country? What is my responsibility? And this is something very, very uh, deep and very, you know, exceptional. You know that you can have actually that experience, that spiritual, that personal, that intimate experience watching that man speaking to you and directly. You will see that most of the moment he's looking at the camera. You know, you can't look left, you can't look right. <laughs> It's speaking at you. You are right. sitting in that chair. He's speaking directly to you. And and you are you must listen and you are watching him and he's looking at you in the eye and he's telling you you need to face it in order to fix it. You know, um, one of the things that I didn't get a, a sense of, and I'm curious, the thought just hit me. You know, I know how uh, Baldwin impacted me and, and particularly how your documentary impacted me. But at the time, what was America's, how did they receive Baldwin when he was, when, when he was speaking out against the injustices of well, this nation? How well, did they receive him? First of all, don't forget, he was almost the only one. You know, how many blacks had 45 minutes on the Dick Cavett show? That's amazing footage. Dick looked, Dick looked so confused. <laughs> yeah, but uh, still a great interviewer. Yes, you know, yes, he, of course. He was really humble yeah. in the way he, he conducted that interview. And uh, But how many uh, black author had that, you know, opportunity to be on platform on, on national TV at the time there were only three three stations channels yes, yes. you know so he was a celebrity and almost the only one and very vocal and uh, you know in the film I use footage of a, a very famous interview of Kenneth Clark one of great yes. black journalists as well and psychologists uh, and who did he invite Martin Luther King Malcolm X James Baldwin. Those were the three main spokesmen of the movement at the time. And, and he was friend of many artists of Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte, Marlon Brando. All Weren't these they roommates, people. he and, and Marlon Brando? Well, Marlon Brando knew him and they knew each other before each both became well-known. Right. They were friends and, uh, and later Marlon Brando could drop In, in Baldwin's house in Harlem and sleep for two days 
they were bodies. You know, he he felt at home at Baldwin. He knew Baldwin's it's amazing, mother, and that gives so much like more context yes. to the man of who to to what kind of man Marlon Brando was. Exactly, exactly. So all these men were had some kind of solidarity with each other because they knew what each other was going through. You know. Uh, Baldwin had a premiere of one of his plays, and he wrote about it in an essay, uh, how Sidney Poitier came all the way from California to spend just an afternoon with Jimmy before the premiere because he knew Jimmy needed his presence. Mm-hmm. You know, That's the kind of solidarity. Or when uh, Baldwin took Nina Simone with him traveling to Africa, and basically politicize her at a time where Nina was really down right. and was, you know, really uh, fighting uh, for her existence. And he became the elder, you know, and even in the time where he was criticized by the new progressive and, and radical uh, leadership, like the, the Black Panthers and other black organizations, like or as if he was like almost an Uncle Tom. Mm. He was still very, you know, gentle and polite with them. He supported them. He raised money for them. He visited them in prison. He wrote a beautiful essay for a letter to my sister, Angela Davis. You know, he he was really a gentleman. And despite some critics or some even homophobic yes. comments. Yes, which is, which is you know, something I'm sure it was, uh, was huge for him to overcome. That existed also right. in, in our community. Uh, and so uh, he he was an incredible persona, and 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 then again the the proof is as they say in the pudding. You know, these words he wrote fifty years ago, mostly. You see the film; it is as if he he sat down this morning, mm. and wrote especially during down. this administration. It it's incredible. Yeah, and so that that show how strong his thinking was. Yeah, and and I appreciate the fact that. You uh, use images from that era as well as images of current events that are happening today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and they fit perfectly. You know, it's like, it's like nothing changed. We were editing. I didn't know uh, at some point that I would include images of Ferguson. Right. You know, I didn't, you know, but when it came, I knew I had to send a team. I need, I knew I needed those images because, you know, those words I thought were, you know, uh, philosophical and classic, uh, you know, but they were modern and they were now, you know. And so actuality was, you know, catching up with us, mm-hmm. you know, and the killings of those young yes. uh, black and uh, uh, boys and girls, you know, that's a sequence that came very late in the movie. I had the words, but I could have used different type of images but at that point I knew I need images of today Baldwin and I, is speaking to today yes and I need to have those faces of right. today right. And, and and so that's it, it's an incredible but it, it shows you that uh, how a classic he is and he understood the fundamentals of this country it's all, all you need to know to understand your life today is just read one of two books of Baldwin you know, Baldwin speaks about American virtues being simplicity, sincerity, and immaturity. And just that concept blew me up. Can we talk about that? Like the, the, our addiction to simplicity. Yeah. 
You know, our need to be immature. Yeah. yeah. Our need to present ourselves as being sincere. Uh, that That's the image that Hollywood created, you know. And uh, there is a sentence I like in the in the uh, you know uh, in the film where he said, um, uh, you know, John Wayne have been spending his whole life on the screen admonishing Indians with guns, with, with guns, and so that he, he was in no way in a necessity to grow up. That's exactly you know what what we grew up with, you know, this immaturity, you know, as if life is a game. And, uh, and of cops and robbers, or cowboys of cops and, and Indians. robbers. It, it's a big, uh, you know, uh, dream fabric, uh, you know, and uh, and that as a politician, you know, how many of our politicians, you know, did something horrible, and then uh, two three months later they come on TV and ask for pardon and say I'm sorry. They cry a little bit, and they get right back at what they were doing before. You know, as if you know they are they are washed out and their they sincerity, are the, yeah. the sincerity wa- washed them their sins away. Absolutely, right. Uh, not that you know you cannot redeem yourself. Of course, yes. But to redeem yourself and to start again the same thing uh, that you were doing before, uh, that's that's nonsense. That that doesn't make sense. So, uh, and and you know that's what I was speaking about before because it have consequences. Uh, where people get killed, you know, when you are you have that kind of sincerity. Yeah, we are a dom- democratic country, and we have proof that we are. We have Congress, we have institutions, but how come we are killing people elsewhere? You know, that's the contradiction. Or killing people here that we don't even consider to be or, people. Exactly as well. You know, it happened at the same time. This wealthy, most incredible and healthy country at the same time have poverty that you would not imagine you know do you remember those images of katrina yes of course those were the same images of haiti after the earthquake Mm -hmm. you know but we were in the most richest country of the world the most powerful what comes to mind now is flint the issues in in flint michigan exactly you imagine those kind of things happening here in America, it doesn't make sense. So this is the kind of, you know, uh, immaturity somehow, you know, that that goes hand in hand with the the building of this republic. You know, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but there is this one scene that I absolutely have to talk about, and it's when uh, Lorraine Hansberry visited President Kennedy, and. Uh, asked her that all he needed to do to really push the civil rights movement and the integration movement forward was to stand with the uh, school integrationists. And he was insulted. Can we talk about that? Yeah, that's just an incredible, incredible story. And this is, and Baldwin this is, wrote about it several times in different essays. Uh, it was a time where, the, you know, the situation was very tense. Uh, and uh, Baldwin himself arranged... To, to have a meeting with with uh, Bobby Kennedy, the Attorney General at the time, and uh, Kennedy say okay, and uh, he agreed that he could bring uh, a, a few friends yes. with him. Yes. So he brought Lauren Hansberry and and uh, some other important uh, people uh, to this meeting, and the meeting went very badly. 
and uh, it it was like two different worlds trying to to speak to each other, and they they just discover a, a Bobby Kennedy that have zero clue about how important or how grave the moment was, you know, and uh, and Lauren at some point, you know, tell him, you know, you have a moral responsibility, you know, and Kennedy said yes, but uh, it it would not make it any change and and so you you could see and that's how the sequence is is uh, edited that uh some sort of of irresponsibility and the fact that it's two different world that never cross you know even though you know the kennedy's brothers are or you know probably the most democratic uh, leaders in this country by the way both assassinated yes. as well yes you know and that's that's another tragedy And at the same time, uh, being the more progressive part of America, they still didn't get it. They still didn't realize how profound the inequality in this country and the moral apathy, uh, like Baldwin calls it, uh, is uh, in this country. And and so it's one of the scenes I like most as well in, in the film because it's incredible. And when we know that Lauren Hasbury herself died very shortly after that meeting. You speak about how, uh, well, Baldwin spoke about how white people are dependent on a Negro problem, almost like a drug addict. Can we talk about that? (laughs) Well, he he does two things. He said the the use of the entertainment uh, industry is similar to the use of narcotics, which is one thing. We are so dependent. And by the way, something here, he wrote that sentence 50 years ago. That means it was way before Bachelorette, The Voice, way before uh, the internet, the, the um, uh, Housewife of yeah. Atlanta, yeah, yeah. the internet, and f- uh, Twitter. He said it's similar to the use of narcotic, which means it, it, it is there to, to brainwash you, to put you in a daze so that you don't know what reality is. And imagine what it means today. Those were written 50 years ago. Okay? That, that's Incredible. So the, the other part of the question was again I, I forgot the, that, that 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 they're dependent like a like oh a dr- yeah, yeah like a drug addict like dependent on a negro. Yes. Problem. Well, the other aspect like is, we are of, their drug also. It, yeah, it's a sort of alienation. You know, it's it's two side of of the same uh, coin. You know that uh, you need to invent that monster. You know that you are afraid of ultimately, and in order to keep him away. And and so that you you make sure that it never changed, you know. So you have to renew that image, and this is also what Hollywood did, you know, to construct an image of the Native American so that you could kill it and take their land. And you said kill it. I like the way you said yeah. kill oh, it. Yes. Not oh yes. Oh yes. That's a genocide. Yes. It's called genocide it in is. the history yeah. of the world, you know, to annihilate, kill everything that. You know, a whole uh, uh, population, know, population of, people. of people, and uh, and the same. You know, in order to use the slave uh, work power, you needed to fabricate an image of almost an animal, because he cannot be a human. Because you would not treat a human being the way you treat a slave. You know. And this is the history of mankind. That's how what they did as well for the Holocaust. Mm. They 
transformed the Jew into a, uh, thing. Into a thing and uh, an insect. And once it was the propaganda uh, made its work that every person took it as an insect. So you can kill an insect. You know, and that's the same thing you you did with the Vietnamese, and you know, and whoever uh, th that, that's our what next, power our, do. Yes, you know, they invented the enemy, and they give it a face or not, and usually it's not a human face. It's not a human face. It's an animal. That means it's not. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't need to be alive, and then you can do whatever you want. You know, we we talk about this concept now. It's called a uh, uh, white fragility. And, um, you know, Baldwin addressed that so early on, you know, years ago. White people need to be assured that they're not hated. Yeah. What is that psychosis? What is that? Is it because the... There is a sort of guilt in yes. it. There is also also of fear because deep down you know what you've done. You know what your four ancestors have done. You know that it was profoundly unjust and you know that you are profiting from it. Mm. So it's a hard thing to face that. You know, uh, you know, it's a hard we, truth. It's a hard truth. You know, I would hate we, we to black have people, <laughs> we were, we would be in the position, we would have the same problem right. because it's not a matter of color. It's just happened that it's black people. We could have been yellow or red or whatever. By the way, the red, they killed them as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so it's a tough reality to to deal with, and uh, so you your only choice somehow, uh, if you don't want to face it, is to perpetuate that image, is to renew it, to modernize it, to build a wall around it, to to build a wall, and and to just you know need what what you call also today white privilege. Mm. You don't need to know. Because your world is so encapsulated in the bubble, you don't need it. it. You don't. You don't need to, to go to a ghetto. You don't need to go to a, a poor black neighborhood uh, to to really see it with your own eyes. You don't need to experience racism because it's not part of your world. You know, so uh, you're not a victim. You know, you are one of the profiteers. So it's it's humanly uh, difficult for you to, to to face that image and that alienation, basically. Hmm. You know, your your movie is making great waves. I mean, it's everyone's talking about it. Been nominated. How's your life changed with all this attention that you're getting now? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm an old filmmaker. Yes, you've you been know, in this for I, how long? I've now? Been uh, for thirty five years 35 at years. least. Yes. So uh, I've made, you know, all my films were complicated, complex, uh, were political. So, uh, and I learned over the year, in order to survive, I had to be careful about, you know, the bad moments and the great moments. So one thing, of course, I'm so happy about what's happening to the film, but I'm most happy. You know, it's not about me getting an Oscar or not. It's not about the film being nominated. For me, it's about... Baldwin coming to the front line. It's about those words. How many young people will know who Baldwin is and will change their life after reading Baldwin or seeing the film like Baldwin changed my life right. and the life of many, many different people, black and white. You know, I, I'm the, and that's why I'm happy. It's about Baldwin. 
I, I'm, you know, I'm the president of the French National Film School. Mm. So uh, I did a screening for, for the students uh, a month ago. And after the screening, we had a Q&A. And a young, white, uh, French girl stood up, started to cry in front of everybody and say, thank you for this film because it's changing my life. I thought I was alone in this world feeling the the thing I'm feeling. I'm a lesbian. I'm a, I'm a young white girl, but this film is changing my life. You know, so, and, and I've been getting all that kind of right. uh, response, uh, you know, uh, throughout the country and, and in, in many different places. And, and this is what, you know, justify right. the work I do. You know, I came to film through politics. I came to film because film is an incredible medium to 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 change uh, the 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 present order and to educate. To and it can be entertaining as well. It doesn't have to be you know dark and. But this is what I like in film. You know, it can change you as an individual. So yes, for the Oscar, but it's. The Oscar is for Baldwin. Yes, but at the same time, are you getting phone calls now from Brad Pitt? Like, yo, buddy, let's go get lunch. And like, is that is, that, is has your world changed like that? Are you no, hobnobbing well, with the elite no, of Hollywood I, right I, now? I, I've been around, you know. I, I don't make a lot of noise. But right. People in the branch, I think, knows me. And by the way, I spent one year uh, at Plan B trying to develop. Plan B is Brad Pitt Company. Yes. yes. So uh, it's one of the people I work with for a whole year. Uh, with his people to try to develop the movie. At that time, I didn't know if it was going to be a narrative or, or a documentary. Mm. So, uh, you know, I've had, you know, project uh, where I was the executive producer together with Martin Scorsese. Wow. So it's, it's you know, my work, the work I do is not all over the place, but uh, people use it a lot. It's in the right, right places. It, it uh, you know, a lot of my films are used in universities, uh, they use it film school, and uh, that's the type of film I do. So I, I don't make noise, but I exist, and, and I'm glad that uh, I succeeded in surviving those last 35 years. I love that, Moshe. I definitely love that, man. Well, listen, man, you, you I could talk to you for at least another two hours, but I know that our time is up. Um, really, congratulations. Thank you. On, Thank on, you. on such a beautiful work, and, and good luck also, you know. Thank what you. do you think about the whole concept of, you know, this year, Oscars so black? After a back the backlash well, but because of that, Oscars so white last year. Well, that's a show discussion. It doesn't mean anything. The, doesn't well, mean by anything, the way, right? the Academy did its job. They changed uh, some rules, and that's good. But you know, you won't be nominated if you don't get to make the film. Right. The problem is in the making of the film. Mm. Who takes the decision? To make a film on James Baldwin. Who greenlights? Who greenlights? That's where the power is, and that was kept untouched and as long as it's kept untouched nothing will change those films all i know all the other filmmakers i know eva duvernay i know uh, ezra all of us we we have been making those films no matter what right. we didn't wait for somebody to give us a favor so as far as i'm concerned nothing has changed right. as long as i don't have in front of me uh, a black man, a woman, uh, uh, a gay person that is capable or understanding 
where I come from that don't ask me a lot of stupid questions <laughs> about why do I need to make a film about right. James Baldwin right. and who doesn't tell me, you know, black audience doesn't come to see this movie. Yes, they don't come because you they, don't, they don't make exist. movie for them. You, they don't exist in your world. So it's it's as long as we don't touch this power structure, nothing will change. As long as we don't disrupt the virtues of simplicity, sincerity, and immaturity, nothing will change. And you have beautifully put it, yes. Mr. Raul Peck, thank you so much. Thank you for In- having me. Internet, it's, it's so important. You know, not only is it our responsibility uh, to support black film, but this film will change your life and it'll change your perspective and it, 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 it'll bring so much more humanity to your life. Once again, sir, thank you. Thank you. King. Thank you. I love these moments, man. Love it. It, it, you know, we always talk about being on our dean. Yes. Yeah, we got to get back on our dean. Man. We got to stay on our dean. Stay on our dean. Got to yeah. stay on our dean. Absolutely. Read more books, y'all. Read more books. Let's bring back a book club, man. Let's. I'm, I'm, we got. We. we I remember never, we were talking about doing it before. We, we just got to start it. We, yeah. All yeah, right. Let's do that. Listen, internets. You know what it is. Dream those dreams, and then man up, woman up, and live those dreams. Because the life without dreams is black and white, and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Blah. Hey, yo, Internets, once again, thanks to HBO and Gerard Carmichael for supporting this week's episode of The Combat Jack Show. Gerard Carmichael is returning to HBO for his second stand-up comedy special, Gerard Carmichael 8. I'll always remember that because 8 is my favorite number. Filmed in front of a live audience in New York City, the show features Gerard's subversive, thought-provoking take on cultural norms. Gerard Carmichael 8 premieres on Saturday, March 11th at 10 p.m. on HBO. This episode of the Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King and Chris Morrow, engineered by Samir Karan, and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Network's production.